<laughs> you know, like, things are gonna get crazy when it clean my market. I just can't promise that she won't put a knife to his throat. And then I don't realize until later how terrible all that was. Welcome to Displaced in Space, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. I'm Angelina. And I'm Sam, and we're recapping the series as we watch each episode for the first time. We don't know what happens to the characters or whether the crew even gets home, but we're definitely along for the ride. And today we're talking about the episode titled Real Life, Season 3, Episode 22. It was written by Harry Doc Clore and Jerry Taylor and directed by Anson Williams. It first aired April 23rd, 1997 to 4.4 million homes. IMDb says this is the one where, as Janeway leads an investigation into an unheard of space phenomena, Bellana tweaks the doctor's all too sugary creation of a holographic family towards real life. I say this is the one where Bellana Torres shows she's specious against Klingons. Let's get through this one. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> There's one really good scene. Yeah. And that's about it. That's right. That's right. The rest of it is... I will say this, too. We recently stopped watching that show, The Last of Us, because it was so bleak. And then yeah, we turned this episode on, and it's like, I want to watch The Last of Us again. <laughs> Take me back, back to, to that. I want to... <laughs> <laughs> it might make me feel better. <laughs> uh, uh, this starts off, and we see some house where we basically learn that the doctor is living in a 1950s sitcom where he's got the, the wife who really wants to please him and do everything for him. Oh, it's very Stepford wise. Yeah. Um, in that, in exactly in that really creepy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like she's. She's overly um, accommodating toward him and wants the perfect kids, and she's just way too cheery. Well, and the kids are also perfect Mm -hmm. and so excited and all that. It's just, like, really gross. Um, The only thing that wasn't perfect was that the son's wig. (laughs) It wouldn't be an episode of Voyager if there wasn't a bad wig, though, I think. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that's how it starts. Of course, we figure it's in the um, it's in the um, hollow deck, but that's that's basically all we know. And then the doctor comes and he walk, he sees his family, and he leaves to go to work for the day. Yes. Um, and so we're in the sick bay, and Kess is working as the doctor materializes. And you should talk about bad wigs. I don't know if this is a wig or not. And, like, the hair from that ended last episode is in this episode. So her terrible hair is here to stay. So I guess at three, uh, Ocompans grow their hair out? I don't know. (laughs) Majorly, too, yeah. Like, massively. Like, it's, like, real, it's real bad. It's it's real bad. I'm not familiar with people's hair, I guess. How long would it take... To grow that much hair from a out pixie cut for a human, yes, from what Kiss had to what she has now, yeah, probably a year. Okay, a little less than a year. That's not eight too long. No, eight months. Yeah. During the pandemic, I grew my hair out mm-hmm. 
and it wasn't nearly as oh you know what you must be right no, but like it wasn't years, maybe. but did i grow it out for a year though yeah was it for a full year not quite a full year about eight months i don't remember the last time i'd get i know I, okay so i cut it in october of 2021 mm-hmm. um and the pandemic kind of started for March. us as far as like the last time where but i probably had not even gotten a haircut uh, into since like january of 2020 mm-hmm. so yeah so that would have been um but you also had almost curly two hair, years so you don't know how long your hair actually would look like right if it wasn't curly because you had true. curly hair that's true so it's hard, but uh, maybe if like you know if it, your hair grows fast, it could be about eight months to maybe three, anywhere between eight months to two years. I if you're in a compound, it's fifteen minutes. It's fifteen minutes. <laughs> um, she asked about the doctor's family, and he says that everything that they're everything he could have hoped for, and it's like yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's almost like well, because he probably made them. <laughs> yes. He yeah. Did. We get a captain's log where Voyager has been in contact with. A race called the Basta Guy? Yeah. And I apologize for the spelling of it in our notes there. <laughs> it's very it's a very like phonetic spelling of it, I guess, or very literal spelling of it. Basta guy. <laughs> uh but yeah, it sounds like it's a friendly race and so Voyager's gonna go like meet up with them. Yeah, at their science at their science. Some kind of a Station. Yeah, yeah, their science station. Yeah, like a space yeah. station that they have. A star base or something. Um, and so we're on the bridge, and Voyager is supposed to be meeting up at the Bostagai station. Um, but Kim can't detect it. Instead, there's a bunch of... De- so they... <laughs> yeah, there's just a bunch of debris yeah, where there would have been a, um, a, sta- a station. It doesn't and, bode well for the station. Mm, there was an attack about maybe an hour ago. There are no weapon signatures, so it probably wasn't an attack when they realize it's a natural phenomenon. Yeah. Um, but Janeway's pissed and wants to find out who did this. And Kim and Chicote do detect some plasma particles leaving a wake um, like from a ship. So they're going to go after it. Mm-hmm. So we have a little mystery here. Yeah, so the, you have the plot that I would say... The doctor and his family is the A plot, and this is the B plot. And they do kind of merge a little bit with Tom Oh, Harris. they do, yeah. Yeah, I wondered that a lot during this episode, and I guess we can talk about that, you know, as far as the writing goes, where was that intentional? Because if it was, I gave the episode a little more credit than I would probably want to otherwise. Yeah. Um, well, well, we'll see what that's all about later on. In sick bay, uh, Torres is updating the doctor on her status or on his status after her latest routine tune-up of him. Well, and I like that she's going to keep doing these if the doctor is keep playing is going to keep playing with himself essentially. <laughs> which he's you want to keep that in. You <laughs> <laughs> keep messing with his, his program. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Gonna get us kicked off all the like, kicked ah. off all the platforms. So, Torres is gonna keep routinely tuning him up uh, if he keeps messing with. Can we keep program. that in? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So it's kind of like they've gone from like they know almost nothing about how the doctor works to she's sort of getting the hang of him and they're working together to to make sure that um he can uh 
he can um, keep adding to his program without yeah. messing up. Um, I do think it's funny that she she's like kind of like the expert on him now because how much she does not like him. He does not like her. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but they have to work together. Yeah, and um, they talk about the family that the doctor has created. And Kes is impressed with it, but Torres seems skeptical. And as always, the the actress who plays Torres does like a really good job. I think she's yeah. always just like she jumps off the screen. To yeah, me, she like, really does with her facial yeah. expressions, and um, um, so she she wants to meet the family, and. <laughs> She looks physically ill when the doctor refers to his wife as the little woman. He yeah, says, yeah, I have to go. tell the little woman to expect company. Yeah, it's like and you see Torres, like, recoil. Yes. She was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and you could tell, like, now she really wants to, to meet the family. Yeah, out. and so Kes and Torres are going to join them for dinner. So we're in the dining room, um, and first I want to say Torres looks very pretty in her dress. Oh, but you also and noticed her little braid, which she had even in the did, previous yeah. scene. I really like her braid. She's it's kind of she's stepping out. Yeah, she's stepping it up. Yeah. She's stepping up. Um, and um, they're in the middle of dinner, and it's just as gross as it was in the beginning, with all of his family fawning all over him, and the kids are doing fantastic in school. Following in the doctor's footsteps as far as, like, interest in their biology and science. And the wife is just so overly doting and, unlike, I mean, everything. It's so gross. And Torres just can't take it. You can't, see, can't take it anymore. Yeah, you see with her, she physically the way her, mad. yeah, her body language is just, like, slumped shoulders and very unimpressed. Everyone else is eating dinner and, like, like you would expect them to be all sitting around interested in each other's conversation and you know and Kes is just kind of like sitting back like watching it all almost like or Torres yeah almost with like her arms crossed and just like what is this she's like done yeah and so she freezes the program Mm -hmm. to tell let him know that this is not an accurate accurate representation of a family and it's like it is that's so it's as if she, it's an affront to her. Like, this program is an affront to her mm-hmm. and, like, families everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nobody. Who knew that she was <laughs> the 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 patron saint of families or something? She's like, <laughs> it was, like, an affront to her. And it's mm-hmm. so funny because, like, her dad left and her mom is, she's not on, talk, talk, on, on yeah. talking terms with her mother. And so she has a probably a, a bad view of families anyways. However, like... She's like, you're not going to learn anything. If you are doing this, because he, the doctor is doing this program to learn about families because um, the people on the ship are always talking about their families yeah. and stuff like that so, so we can relate. And she said, you're not going to learn anything from this, which is true because even Kes says they're kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, they're kind of perfect. And Tori's yeah. like, they're ridiculously perfect. Yeah, she's they're like, too perfect. So then she's like, if you really want to know what it's like to have a family, then let me tweak your program for you. And um, so that it leaves it at that. But it's funny because the doctor says, well, this is the kind of wife I would choose. So she would be exactly like this. But it's like no wife is like that unless she's a robot. And you almost question why someone would want a wife like that. Like what went, I mean, he's, it's hard with him because he's like a computer program. But if a, if a man wanted a wife like that, it's like, why? Yeah. It sounds a lot like we keep coming back to the men's rights yeah. activist groups and the, you know, like toxic, misogynistic um, p- 
people that somehow keep flooding Angelina's different spaces in the internet, but that's kind of what they would sort of want, right? Yeah, but they shouldn't, and it's oh, not no, real. Yeah, nobody should, but yeah, that's that's what the doctor... And it's funny, the way the doctor plays him is like, of course, like... Yes, this, you know... Of course you want to have this woman fawning all over Yeah, yeah. no actual thoughts of her own or interests of her own. It kind of gets back to the, the favorite son episode where yeah. a man, when, a, when a woman fawns all over a man, it's like, of course she is. That's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. I've, I've met the ideal woman <laughs> and I get her now, so... But, but the doctor is open to whatever yeah. Taurus has to offer because he... At the end of the day, he is, like, legitimately intellectually curious about family life. Yeah, and also expanding his own experience. Yeah, yeah. And on the bridge, the particle wake is thinning out, and instead the crew detects a subspace disruption. And then there's turbulence on the bridge all of a sudden, and something is emerging from subspace. And there's this really cool light effect where it's almost like two circles it's almost like a um infinity symbol sort of right yes like going vertical in space if there is such a thing and then a big ring of light in the center of it too right yeah i feel like what i feel like is that they either got more money at the end (laughs) or they didn't they didn't spend their money in the beginning and so now they're just like hey it's almost the end of the almost the end of the season let's blow our money all all of our money yeah yeah it yeah it also reminded me of the way that they they perceive um black holes to kind of look and the way that the light bends around a black hole it looks a lot like that yeah yeah you might be right it's a really cool effect i think um they're saving so much money on good wigs that <laughs> they can use it in other places. They should have spent more. As long as we're willing to accept these terrible wigs, then we can have <laughs> the cool effects. So um, Voyager needs more power to get away from this this anomaly, this subspace disruption. But Torres isn't able to give it to him fast enough. And then the anomaly rushes towards Voyager and collides with it. And it, things are blowing up all over the place, and they brace for more. And they still, I mean, the Voyager gets damaged. Not, like, seriously damaged, oh, yeah. but they're damaged. Yeah, you mean in this episode right here? Right now. generally? In this moment. Oh, yeah. Right now. Yeah. Yeah, they, there's some damage that gets done to their ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. And uh, Janeway wants to stick around to investigate... Um, Oh, sorry. The, so the the it all calms down once like that wave passes through Voyager. Yeah. Everything calms down, and Janeway wants to investigate what the heck that even was. And then Chicote says it was an astral eddy that coalesced at the meeting of space and subspace. And um, even more importantly, it's giving off some energy that Voyager could actually use. Like if they could harness this energy, they could they actually could... get more replicating rations. <laughs> right? Yeah, the important stuff. More coffee. Uh, Janeway wants to scan for the anomaly's next appearance, so they're going to yeah. keep their eyes open for these things. But it's like this natural phenomenon, and she's so excited to go risk their lives, like Voyager's life and Voyager's um, working properly, yeah. all of it, for this. And it doesn't feel worth it, but she's so excited to do it, and they're going to go risk, and they're going to go risk Tom Paris in the future. And it just seems so not necessarily 
worth it and like again just very reckless that's true i I wonder if they'd be better off establishing something that they don't have on the ship like ever and something like tangible like because they're always talking about like oh well there's um this place is rich in these certain crystals and we use those crystals in the warp drive processors or whatever you know it's always something very um like um specific to something like that but what if they like just didn't have replicators at all and that was like the big thing they were chasing or they didn't have a holodeck at all or their holodeck was like really janky or something because you know what i mean so that like we understand why they would want to stop at these different well, like, stopping is one thing. Going to planets is one thing. But going into, like, a phenomenon that destroyed a space station. <laughs> well, I guess that's the thing. And, like, You'd need to see killed, why they were that desperate. There were 60 scientists on that space station that are all gone. Yeah. And they're going to go find... And it wasn't... Chakotay said, yes, they could use it for replicators. But, like, Janeway was just going to go discover, go go work on it because yeah. that's what they do. They, they, they've, like, well, that's the deal, yeah. You're trying to spin it like they're they're doing this to get something. But that was, like, that that was... After, the, after, after Janeway wanted to look, Chakotay's like, well, it's worth looking because there's energy. Yes. Yeah. But she was going to go do it anyway. Yeah. And it's, like... You're putting Voyager and you're putting the crew of Voyager at risk in a way that doesn't need to be just because you're explorers and this is something you haven't seen and you're a scientist. And again, I do like that about Janeway, like go, you go be reckless, but sometimes it's like overly reckless <laughs> and you're not getting much out of it and you're putting like all of your crew in serious dis- risk and danger. It's like you're all right. Everything, every day is risk and danger. I don't know when the crinum are coming, but they're coming. You know, what <laughs> I, I know, mean? thought that that's actually what it was going to be when you. Now that you mentioned it, I thought that it was going to at the very beginning of the episode. I thought it was going to be the crinum that destroyed the space station or the Tarkin. Yeah. Or the board. Or the board. Or yeah, yeah, no. No, but you know what? We have these three things on the horizon. We we've seen the Borg, we've heard about the Tarkin, and we know the Kremen are coming. <laughs> but let's go chase the space the spe- <laughs> space Eddie to go find out what we can find out about it, even though it has the potential to like completely wipe us out. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Yeah, I mean the explorer thing is always going to be a hard sell. When the premise of the show is that they're trying to get back home, it's like, mm, they're not really. Well, and also they're not really they're, trying to get back it's home. It's not even just trying to get home. You're just trying to survive. Now, if they if they could also frame it as, um, can can this phenomenon or this uh, this astral eddy? Does it have the potential to get us home? If you do that, then it's like, yeah, there oh, okay, we go. Sense, we yeah. understand but why you're searching for it. But just to get extra replicating rations, like, yeah. not worth it. Yeah. No, like, I, I did look at the substation. Know that there were 60 people on that substation. Know that there's less than 150 people on your ship and right. go, mm. Yeah. Now, it, would be, it wouldn't be so hard to swallow if, yeah, if either A, there was, like, a really... What if they could only go at warp five, which is in at like something happens to the ship and they can only go at warp five, so it's like well, we're almost basically never gonna get home now, you know, mm-hmm. and let so we have to find energy sources or something that can help get us back to being able to go warp ten, 
Yeah, or like you say, if these phenomenon make it like seem like they could maybe get Voyager back home, then you're like, yeah, let's do it, let's go. You know? Yeah, but like rather than just exploration, exploration <laughs> and possibly extra replicating rations for people. Like, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but anyway, despite Angelina's protests, they're going to uh, scan for the anomalies next yeah. appearance. Yeah. Then we end up at Sick Bay, and this is where you find out that the doctor did allow Blantor. He decided to take her up on her tweaking of the program. So he's excited to meet his new family after um, she's some randomized some events and challenges. Yeah. And now we start to see some of those randomized events because we go to the doctor's house where he um, walks through his door. And the first thing he hears is this terrible music, which we later find out is, like, essentially Klingon rock music. All right. So now this is where, like, I think when Blantoris programmed it, she programmed them to have, like, some, like, the, essentially the bad influences of the oldest son is going to be Klingon. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this. And also... Okay, so this terrible music is on. And so it, in the 90s, it could have either been the heavy metal or it could have been rap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm probably, yeah, so like, you know, it's already like bad connotation. Here's like, he's being rebellious. He has this terrible music <laughs> and the terrible music is happens to be Klingon and you're like, Ooh, and yeah. if it wasn't a cling, a half Klingon that made this change, you would have been like, "What is what's going on?" That is interesting. Yeah, I of course didn't notice that, but but yeah, it's like the first thing Torres does is is put Klingon influence in there, and it's all bad. Yeah, it's a bad influence. It's like it doesn't have to be a bad influence. Yeah, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's almost like she, then you're like, did she go in there just? To, just to shit on Klingons? <laughs> and the Klingons are like my favorite race and or species and it's just like but man, here they, want, they look bad. Yeah, they're just like little punks, like brats and punks. Yeah. Like, is that what Taurus thinks of Klingons? Must be. They're just punks, yeah. Because, yeah. um, uh, so yeah, that's the th- first thing the doctor hears and then his wife is running all around and now she's got like a totally different haircut and she's more of the 90s wife or maybe even what we call the modern day wife because like now she has a job of her own. You know, they're two working parents trying to raise a family um, and she's running around, you know, grabbing her purse and everything and uh, she's got to go and the doctor is actually late. So she is not a welcoming um, wife to him anymore. Doting and yeah. wants to know all about his life because she has no interest of her own. Yeah, she's annoyed with him instead, <laughs> and um, the house is a mess. Of course, there's stuff uh, slung all over the place, and um, she has to leave because she has to give like a speech or something like that. And it's his night to cook dinner. Um, uh, the doctor comes in expecting there to be dinner, and she's like, eh, "It's your night to cook." Yeah, he's like, "What the hell is this?" And then um, the daughter, and so her name is Belle, mm-hmm. and she's running around like a chicken with her head cut off because she can't find her ion mallet for uh, Parisi Square's practice. Mm-hmm. And so she's pestering the doctor to try to help her find it, 
But then the son, um, and his name's Jeffrey, he won't turn down his music. Yeah. And no matter so, how much the doctor asks. And so before we go on, this and this is hard for me as a teacher, I think. Simply because, you know, there are things that you expect. So before I became a teacher, when kids were acting a mm. fool in the grocery store or in the restaurants, I never noticed it. But even we were at the Dollar Tree uh, looking for something um, just yesterday, and there were some kids doing things that it, it takes every bit, especially since they were like kind of more closer to the age of the students that I work with, it took all of my self-control not to just step in and to like <laughs> organize it the way it needed to be organized, get them where they need to be, and structure them how it should have been structured. <laughs> Instead of just allowing them to continue to act the way that they're acting, where their parents were so unable to handle them. Just letting it happen, and, basically. Yeah, letting yeah. it happen. And watching this, and like, granted, the doctor's never been a father before. No. Um, but, and this is where I do think it, like, it's unfair because I feel like, and this might be, I don't know, like, where the kids were, like, I don't know, like, because you can have real life and have kids who listen to you. If, you know, you there needs to be consequences if the son doesn't turn down the Klingon music. The consequences for this girl trying to find her eye on Mallet, you know, if she can't find it, she freaks out and starts, like, throwing a tantrum, at, at, at old, at, at way too old for this. And I get the point that they're trying to make, but, like, they're terrible parents. <laughs> like, he, like... Blonde Torres programmed him to be like a terrible parent and the wife to be a terrible parent and so now they're dealing with the consequences of not having structure in their house right or at least at least in at least the randomization algorithm or whatever created the potential that they had been previously terrible parents yeah Yeah. which it could have been a million different things right and instead they were like yeah not just like um not not super structured parents, and not even like some structured parents. But like no it's structure. Like no structured parents, and that's what the doctor walked. Yeah, around. like the wife was like, "Oh, if you can get him to shut the music up," I'm like, "Excuse you? Like how <laughs> that music would be that loud for like less than five seconds?" And yeah, because it's like immediately the doctor would walk in and be like, "Okay, the randomizer has turned has made it so that my wife is not present." In our lives, apparently, because she has no authority over our, our, our child. child. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, how long were you home for? And everyone has the terrible headache from this music? Like, no. Yeah, like, exactly. No. Exactly. You know, and I guess that, yeah. So it's just like things like that. It's like, mm. Your mom would have taken the, whatever the music was playing on and thrown it out the window until it broke in a million pieces. Yeah. Yeah. True story from my childhood. We, um, my mom was like, mm, she was a single mom, so she had a lot of stress in her life. And uh, me and my brothers were arguing one day over the television because we only had one TV in the home. And my mom saw us arguing, got our television, and threw it out the door, and it smashed and broke. And then we didn't get a television for an entire year. <laughs> But guess what? When we got that television, we did not nope. fight over the television ever again because we barely got that TV back. Now, I think that's crazy. My mom was like, like you know, extreme. Um, but, you know. I think it's a resort. Yeah, it may be the last resort, but it's a resort that I am certainly considering 
13 years from now yeah <laughs> if if need be but i mean seriously oh and then there was i was a fifth grade teacher when i was a fifth grade teacher of course in the on the playground some kids were acting a fool and of course they videotaped it while the other kids were doing some stuff and the mom like i had you know I, I was out there on the playground when it happened so i had to go and be a part of it when we were talking to the parents and stuff like that and the mom saw the girl that had videotaped it with her phone and she literally got that phone and she threw it on the ground and it broke into a million pieces and she essentially said you will never get a phone again <laughs> until you can prove that you're responsible which will probably be when you're 18 years old <laughs> and it's like <laughs> You know, I'm not opposed to to that type of thing. So some people out there might uh, let's throw it out it. there. Yeah. Displaced in space podcast at gmail dot com. Is this is this overly aggressive parenting? Is this not the way that we're supposed to be? Is going that traumatizing now? your kid? I don't. I mean, are we bad people for being okay with that? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like, I am okay with it. Honestly, I am like. Again, you don't want to ever go to that far, you know, hopefully if you structured everything properly. Cause, yeah. And that's one thing I did learn because I had one class I had, um, I knew I was getting a bunch of just very trauma, tra- traumatized children and traumatized children in their certain age definitely act out in school. And so when I found that out, I rearranged everything that I, how I, how I, how I handled everything, my classroom management and it got so incredibly structured. Um, and there was so many things I had to put in there yeah. to make sure that on the out on the daily, you know, you weren't having to set out so many fires. And like once you have the structure in place, it really does take away Oh, absolutely. I would say ninety nine percent. You always had that one percent that like no matter what you did we're we're never going to be able to function within your classroom. Yeah. Um, however, um, I was able to get, we were able to get through it all um, due to like just extreme structure. So usually, if you have the, if you have extreme structure in place, you're not ever going to have these things happen, and you'll never have to take a phone and throw it or you no. Know, but and usually it. the I would say the structure is born of experience though like you 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 can anticipate the problems because you've seen those problems unfortunately play out previously yeah. so i mean yeah there's gonna be bad moments and like the doctor's family would have had bad moments but this to, you know to take it back here but it's like that kid is what 15 years 15 old years or something old, like, no, like yeah. how has he gotten this bad and nobody and you guys are just like afraid of him or something yeah or, or the daughter is she looks like she's maybe fourth grade like 10 years old yeah and um she shouldn't be saying like she shouldn't be so demanding so demanding yeah. expecting you to find her thing for her she's going to be late no i mean ultimately if you care to, like, again, I would say you can't find your stick. We're not going to go to, the, you're not going to go practice. Right. And you're going to keep screaming at me. You're going to go to your room. Like, I'm not dealing with this. But. Because then it brings up the question. So if the goal was for, I mean, obviously, it's okay. So if the goal was for the doctor to learn about, like, real family experience, obviously the initial family experience was was not valid. For sure. Yeah. But is this also is this out. teaching him much either? Because you can't be. This would be like you're, um, 
you're dating somebody whose family is a mess and you're like now you're the stepfather because he just showed up in this problem yeah. you know what i mean like and that's not a real it's more realistic than uh, than the initial yeah setup but, but it's not what well, you and, yeah. you he would have raised the kids from you know and I think he would have had enough structure would, that yeah. wouldn't, they wouldn't behave like this. Yeah, he's yeah. not a complete nincompoop, and he yeah. understands, like, how to treat people somewhat. So, yeah, I mean... It's one of those things. It's one of those things because it needs to be extreme. Oh, yeah, well, it's way more entertaining lesson. and stuff, yeah. But it, whenever I see stuff like this, again, it goes back to, like, when I see people in the store and the kids throwing a tantrum because <laughs> they want the candy bar, and you want to look at the parents and go... Don't give him the candy bar. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, and like the, the parents, like they are embarrassed and they want to just get their kids to be quiet. Yeah. And they're like feeling judged by everyone. I just want to say like, no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Don't give him the candy bar. Don't do it. Yeah. So yeah, so that's what the doctor walks in on. And um, then some Klingon kids appear at the door and there's some more of Torres. Mm-hmm. Um, her cl- anti-Klingon bias, strangely enough, because yeah. they're just little punks. I don't know. I mean, it. it be, the music sounded like what like goth music would kind of sound like, if anything. Mm-hmm. So it is hard to figure out like what are they? What is it supposed to be? Are they? Maybe they're like punk rockers. Yeah, the equivalent of punk rockers, or like you say, like like hip hop guys, or um. Yeah, like uh, heavy metal people or little emo kids. Like, you don't know what they are necessarily, but they're bad news. And they're not what the doctor wants his kid to be around. And then when Jeffrey emerges from the room, finally, he looks a mess. He still has the same bad wig, but it's... But his hair is like all over the place. Okay, what if it's not be, that kid's wig? Because he, it's probably his hair. He's trying to be Klingon. <laughs> Sorry, kid. He's trying to be Klingon. Yeah, he's trying to be Klingon. Which, again, in the 90s, there was a bunch of kids who tried to pretend to be hard by picking on characteristics of like rappers. Yeah, so so that, so that that's what you're, you're saying. You think that it's... And I think that you think that the Klingons are supposed to be pretty fly for a white guy, right? Okay. <laughs> the, yeah. well, so, so you think that the Klingons are the are are a minority group? That's what that I would we're say. supposed. The audience is supposed to see that. I think there's a connotation there. I think there's strong connotation there. Yeah. And mind you, we're not talking about what we think. We're talking about what the what the writers were putting on the screen and mm-hmm. yeah and that was the connotation that we were supposed to get and that's the that's the association that we were supposed to make correct and when, using... with the scene later i think i For think sure. would make you think that yeah because right now they just seem like bad news kids uh-huh. but there's nothing bad but news they're... really about them they they were invited well, they're like, we have, well, they weren't respectful of the doctor. They were very dismissive of him. And they're like, well, we have business with Jeffrey. And yeah. doctor's like, leave. Yeah. Like, imagine, again, your mom, like, kids come to the door and your mom tells them to leave. Like, if they didn't leave, like, she would have chased them out with the rolling pin, you know, right? <laughs> I don't know. She wouldn't do that. <laughs> she would say, you will never see my child again. Exactly, yeah. Along those lines, try, yeah. coming back and you don't listen to me anymore. If you're not, yeah, who are you to not listen to me yeah. turn around and go home? I have to deal with my kid right now because he's being disrespectful playing his music like this. Yeah, there's no way I would let those kids into, into my door. The house, yeah. Into the house, because 
no one told me that and I told them to leave and then like the son just comes out he's like we have business and then yeah. they just walk past the doctor I'm like you, could you like be it's not any his more house. ineffective exactly <laughs> like no I'm sorry like I mean I will say no sometimes way. stuff happens and you don't even realize it's happening as it's happening because you're like someone is this brazen what's happening right now I, yeah, and it happened at school where the, the kid comes into my class in the middle of the class it doesn't belong in my class and takes the phone from another kid. And it's, and it's like, the kids aren't supposed to have phones. This student shouldn't even be in my class. They're supposed to be in their own class. But I'm just watching it all happen. And then I don't realize until later how terrible all that was. And then I got <laughs> upset with that with the student who came in. I was, or the student who had the phone and just gave the phone to the other student. I'm like, what are you doing? But yeah, sometimes stuff happens and you're just, you, it's so you find out off later. base that yeah. you're like, you're just aghast in the moment. Yeah. And that's how the doctor was. And the, mm-hmm. I did, again, to give the doctor credit, he's never been around kids. He just showed up there, in this there, situation. There's one infant right now on <laughs> yeah. Voyager. So he doesn't have any access to children or anything like that. But it's just like whenever you see that, it just gives me high uh-huh. in a way that it didn't. And maybe now that I have a baby, I'll be more understanding or understand it more. But I don't think so because I think... I think I know enough about child development that, well, for sure, like my kids probably is going to have a meltdown. My, my, there's no, there's, my kids going to have a meltdown in, in, in public. It's just going to happen. However, how I handle it is going to be, you know, the way I, I handle all meltdowns. It's just one of those things because it's like, okay, am I going to, am I going to be less harsh about how parents parent in public when, when I have, now that I have a yeah. baby? Or am I not? And then, like, watching this was, like, <laughs> it was hard. I was like, mm, this is bad parenting. <laughs> and it wasn't, even the, it wasn't even the worst scene in the episode, Mm-mm. if you ask me. Then we get to the best scene, though. You're going oh. to describe this one here, right? The mess hall. My favorite scene. This is my favorite. Favorite scene of the whole episode. You have to remember this one for the for the year end award, know, the season end awards for sure. Absolutely great. So first, I want to remind everyone that Harry Kim borrowed a whole month's worth of replicator rations from Kes last episode, and this episode opens with Paris, who's like watching Neelix cook, and then he's like, "This is the same castle we've had for four days in a row." And he's like, it's, it was great, but you know it wasn't great. It was probably terrible. And he's like, um, can we maybe have another, something else? Like, you know, as for we're just craving, you know, different. Something different. And uh, he's like, well, you can go do the replicator rashes, is what Nicolick said. And then he's like, oh, I uh, used all my replicator <laughs> rations up. And then Nicolick just shrugs and, like, puts the slop on Paris's look on his face. Like, he doesn't want to be rude. Like he's, which is like almost growth for Paris because yeah. I think season one Paris would have been like, "Come on, Neelix, this slop again." Like, well, you can you can use the replicator rations, and then Paris probably wouldn't have said anything, but we would have known he didn't have replicator rations, and then Neelix would have put it on his tray and sent him off. And then Paris would have been like, "Gah!" and then like thrown it on the table. But instead, he like this time he smiles at Neelix. Thank you. And it, it looks so sad. But like, yeah, he's just so like funny. neutered. It was. 
hilarious. It was hilarious. Paris Paris was the highlight of of it, and then Neelix did a good job as well. So. Yeah, it was it was just like so kind of irreverent. It's so it's like out of out of the blue, and I mean maybe it was to kind of establish that the, yeah the replicator stuff is kind of hard to come by or whatever, but mostly it was just funny. And we watched the so we've seen that scene like four or five times now because we, we played every, every time we time. watch the episode we have to rewind it again, watch it again because it's so incredibly funny. It's really good, yeah. Um, so then he like looks down at his food, he's all sad, and he looks up and he sees Blanche. Torres and it's kind of interesting because it's like he braces himself because he's gonna go and like try to talk her up and chat her up and uh probably get knocked down again and so he like it's like funny because he like braces himself like, yeah i'm gonna go do this let's see if it works out yeah and she's sitting there reading and drinking her coffee so she doesn't even know he's there and then he comes up and he's like a beautiful lady shouldn't be sitting alone you're like god tom Paris. But it was like playful because they got that little relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, "What's you? What are you reading?" And she wants to hide it from him because she's embarrassed. Which is, I I've learned, do not read things in public that are embarrassing (laughs) because you always get caught out. Um, She blushes. She could have just lied though. Well, he yeah yeah, but but then he he grabbed grabbed it. it. But she because he knew he could tell that she didn't want him to know. Yeah, she could have just been like, "Oh, technical manual." But she also lets him grab it because that's the kind of relationship they have. Exactly. All right, I'm embarrassed, but I want you to know Mm -hmm. what I'm reading. She actually does want to let him in. Yeah, Yeah. but she knows that that's not her brand. Yeah. Yeah. And then he reads probably like a very steamy part of a of the romance novel she's in the middle of reading. Yeah. Out loud to her, and it's so funny. And it's Klingon romance, too. Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's Klingon romance. Which, okay, then you can kind of dissect that a little bit. So she's added this bad Klingon element to... I mean, we don't know how much of it was just uh, just randomization, and and the computer came up with the Klingons as the bad influence in the Doctor's holodeck program. Mm Mm-hmm. Because then she like is actually embraces her Klingon side when it comes to reading her romance novels, yeah. And I think almost like her sexual side is her Klingon One side, side. Like, yeah. You where know? the passion is, yeah. yeah. So yeah, her passionate side, I should say. Um, well, based upon uh, faces, I would have to admit that because her human side was milk toast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it really was like almost like just get rid of it altogether. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so, I don't know if this Klingon stuff, I don't, I almost feel like, did the writers realize that they were adding the Klingon, the Klingons as bad influences, not making that connection that Torres was the one who sort of planted that seed potentially in the holodeck program? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just happened to be Klingons because we, because the audience knows Klingons are bad news. No, they are not. I don't think they're bad news. I <laughs> really like them. Bad, no one wants to see a Klingon <laughs> walk into a bar or whatever, <laughs> or any, yes, any any room. No, yes, they, they don't. Do. Who oh does? Dax. <laughs> Dax. 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 That was her roughest side, though. Was a, was was the Klingon the links that she had. I I as like, the, uh, like I like the Klingons, but they Picard, are the they're who, the the, <laughs> the pirates of space of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, they're not. You want Klingon on your side? I will say that. If a Klingon knocked on your well, really, like any of the races are like because they're overly simplified mm-hmm. sometimes. But like, so you wouldn't really want any of them to knock on your door, but mm-hmm. except maybe a Bajoran. But like, 
Yeah, <laughs> Klingons are gruff. Yeah, they are, but they're honorable. Well, they're actually they're not. not. They pretend to be honorable. Worf is honorable. The only person that's honorable. Worf's the only one who fell for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, anyway, so she did let him read it, and he read it, and it's so, it's so, it's like very, you're like, oh, it's like that bite that mm-hmm. uh, Tom Paris had on his cheek for mm-hmm. that entire episode, which is still burning my brain. Um <laughs> And then he's like, oh, he's like, and then she tells him, she's like, well, it, uh, Klingons do have romance. It might be vigorous than other races. And then Tom Ferris is like, I'm going to read this. Yeah, but then he even like straight up says like, because I want to know, like, use what it makes, as like a blueprint to get into your heart or whatever. Yeah, make your heart quicken. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh, it's a very sexy line. Well, it's very quicken. forward, too. It's like, they're basically like, all their cards are on the table. Like, I like you and I want you to like me and like, yeah. I want to have sex with you. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, is that a technical, is that a technical, um, manual? Yeah. And it's well, that's right, she cute. actually tells him she's not reading it. Yeah, yeah, this isn't a technical manual. He's like, he's like, ah, oh, but I'm gonna still use it. And then, uh, it's super cute. And then she, she's like, she can't promise that she won't put a knife to his throat. And you're like, ah, it's so cute. <laughs> Very cute. And then she does change the subject uh, to the doctor's family, who I guess everyone knows that he's having a lot of trouble with, um, but she's pretty um, impressed that he's sticking with it. And then Turbulence, this is like the one time Turbulence does not rescue me and the characters. I'm like, no, I want more of this. I'm just staying here. But (laughs) I sadly know that Anomaly bursts open again, so they have to go to the bridge. And so ends possibly the best scene of the the season. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. And they're on the bridge. Torres and Paris arrive, um, and Paris is able to steer the ship mostly out of danger so Tuvok can launch a probe into the anomaly. And the readings from the probe say that the um, that matter is being exchanged between space and subspace, but um, there's no way, good way for uh, Voyager to be able to get the plasma so they can use it. Um, and then the, the anomaly suddenly disappears, kind of like before, but the wake is still there. And Chakotay says, well, maybe we can at least get the plasma from the wake and use that energy. And Taurus says, yeah, but except that um, Voyager's energy emissions would corrupt the particles. Mm-hmm. So if Voyager's just floating around in it, then it's really just messing it all up. And then Paris says, well, I can take a shuttle and, you know, it wouldn't be as disruptive. And then Belan Torres, I do like this because she's worried mm-hmm. about it. She's the one that says... Um, that, that that he'd be exposed to dangerous amounts of radiation. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Janeway actually doesn't care that much. She's like, no, she does go, not to care. The, go to the doctor and see if he can do something about you not getting poisoned with radiation. Yeah, like Jane was really feeling herself uh-huh. and like all the risks that she's willing to have everybody take. Everyone, uh, yeah, Tom Paris take. Yeah, she was, she was just like, see if the doctor can do something for that and then get out there. She really wants. Whatever this is. Yeah, you're right. Like the the She's like the bored. investment that she has in it versus the reward that they would get from it is not proportionate. No, it's not. She's just bored. She's like, well, let's <laughs> risk the ship and, and also one of our best uh, pilots or yeah. our best pilot, you know? Yeah. So we're in sick bay and this is where the doctor is starting to project because he... Um, he says that he is able to protect Paris from radiation temporarily. Um, and He's got like a hypo spray. Like yeah. He hits him with some, some medicine. Yeah. Basically. And he's like, you're just so reckless. 
Yeah, he's just like, yeah. He's, he's like, like, you're one of those PKs that wanted to, like, climb every mountain and, like, do all the dangerous stuff and without any regard to yourself or others. And you're like, oh, my God. Like he had a bad day at home and now he's taking it out on Paris mm-hmm. here in sickbay. So Paris is like, he can tell things aren't going well with the, this new version <laughs> of the family. Yeah, Paris doesn't take it uh, personally. <laughs> no. like he knows right away. Like, yeah. Paris is really likable in this episode. Like in Paris every is single always scene, always really likable. Mm. Sam. <laughs> in this episode, Paris is very likable. <laughs> I can handle this, Paris. He wasn't really likable last episode when he was like, "Hot woman, be hot." <laughs> uh, no, actually, he's he's getting more likable period he's like well in that episode and then uh blood fever and then before and after um when he wasn't being an idiot with tom yeah Christian. he was okay in that one it was we talked a lot about why that was like hard to swallow with paris mm-hmm. but he wasn't not likable yeah exactly. yeah. yeah but no he's just really he's almost like he's i think it feels like he's taken so many hits that it like he's he's like um He's got no ego yeah. at this point. And no. he's just very, um, um, like, mature now. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the doctor says, well, he's diagnosed the problem and he's going to treat the issue. And then Tom Paris is like, mm, you can't really cure a family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the doctor's not listening. And you had a good point, too. Did you want to bring that up yet or save it for later about what? It's, it's Paris and Torres helping the doctor through. Oh, yeah. And um, it, I think it's interesting because they are both, I would say, come from, like, broken families or they've both been, like, pretty damaged. Like, Paris and Torres. Paris and Torres from their fa- their family life. We definitely know about Paris because of his Dad, daddy issues And we know and about Blanche Torres, too. Well, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, but Paris is, like, that's that's always, like, on the forefront with him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so the two people with the most um, issues from their parents um, are the ones that are helping the doctor through this. Mm-hmm. But also, I think, if, if like, it's crazy that the two people that have the most damage and baggage from their childhood also are going to hopefully get together. <laughs> that's <laughs> Which true. Which I think is fascinating. I think they're a good couple. Even though Torres is my couple. favorite character-ish, or right around there. And Paris is not, but I think that they are. They, they, they are made work for really each other. well. Yeah. yeah, they work real yeah. well together. Like just perfect on paper and off paper, you know. Yeah. In the doctor's living room, he's called a family meeting, uh, but Jeffrey is late because he's been sleeping, and so he comes down being a little a little sourpuss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, he looks a mess. He's being disrespectful. And the doctor unilaterally creates new rules and schedules to get the family back in line, basically. Yeah. And the family's not happy about any of it. One of the rules is that Jeffrey can't have any Klingon friends. Which is which super, is super with, racist yes, of the doctor to say that. Yeah. It just is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then he goes, get some good Vulcan friends You're like, instead. Oh, God. Yeah. Yikes. Which makes me want to say something racist, which is that, like, who would want to hang out with Vulcans? <laughs> Any Vulcan. Oh, Spock. Tuvok's my favorite character, but I wouldn't want to hang out with uh... him. Yeah. Spock, no, not Spock. No, no. <laughs> keep naming Vulcans and I'll keep saying no. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so that was like, aye, the doctor. <laughs> you, get, you need to go do a different program now where, like, it's like a 
racial sensitivity <laughs> program. <laughs> Uh, his wife is all mad um, well, that, that she, he didn't consult her about the schedule changes. Well, and then he changed her nice that she can speak, and you're like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's like, that's not how you do it. But that's like uh, someone who, we talk, speaking of the teacher stuff again, like we talk a lot about that where like teachers, uh, a lot of times you get them in an environment around other people, and they are like, they they want to be controlling in that environment too. Because they're so used to being somewhere where they have all the control. And I wonder if the doctor's getting a little bit of that too, where he's like the only doctor on the ship. So he should be able to control. He's used to that. that, The only situations he knows about are ones where he can generally control. Yeah. And it's his sick bay, you know? Yeah. And now, like, well, you can't do that with a family. You can't do that with other people, Mm -hmm. you know? And these are real people. Theoretically, like, supposedly, they're real people yeah. with real feelings and stuff. So, yeah, and I like the wife that say that. Well, like, you know, you can't say he what kind of friends that your son wants to hang out with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so she gets all mad and leaves, and Jeffrey gets all mad and leaves, but the daughter actually stays behind, and this is where you get um, a bit of the nuance. And this is where it actually starts to feel like whatever Torres did to tweak the program takes effect because um, the daughter's there and she's she still tells him that, you know, it wasn't right for the doctor to change the schedules. He really messed everything up. Um, and he said, well, he had to change her schedule because she she currently plays with children too old for her and is too dangerous for her to play Parisi squares on the nights that she does play. Because it's like an A team and a B team, basically. Yeah. She, According to her age, she should be on the B team or the lower team or whatever yeah. she calls it. But she's good enough to play with the A team. But it just yeah. means there's more danger involved. And that all comes into play in this episode in a big way. Which I have to say, like, I think Parisi squares in, in Team G2 is known to be a dangerous sport where people can actually get hurt. Mm. Which I found, like, very fascinating that they would still have that kind of sport um, in, like, such a progressive society. Right. Um, because even now, with all the dangers and the concussions and what's happening with football players... Um, you know, people aren't letting their kids play football as much anymore mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, I still it's think it's definitely like, on people's radar. Yeah. Yeah. A common question that gets asked of parents. And like the Parisi squares doesn't seem, you know, it, it seems too dangerous to ever let any of your kids play in. Yeah. Or you think like even if you had like a high impact sport like that, the technology would have advanced to to offset that danger somehow i don't yeah. know what it would be but basically like the helmets would be like you could never i don't know what priestly squares even is or looks like but if they have a helmet it's like you could never get a concussion or you'd have like anti-gravity uh or like like force fields and things all around you so you could never really get injured you know yeah um yeah you're right but instead it's like it sounds like it's even more um, intense than yeah than like American football or rugby and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but she but but she says that 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 the danger is what makes it fun. 
And at this point, I, I smell the point of this episode <laughs> wafting through the air. <laughs> I think we're getting the reason why this episode exists. Um, but she's really sweet, the daughter is. And she's a pretty good actress, I felt like. Yeah. Um, and she tries to be supportive of the... Um, of the doctor by agreeing to just go ahead and be on the younger team. It's like she's she's got a lot of empathy mm-hmm. and she tells him that, you know, he's a really good father and um and she still, you know, she loves him even if he did screw everything up. And the and then she hugs him and the doctor, you can see the look on his face is like it's strangely rewarding for him. Like she kind of badmouthed him a bit, you know, but <laughs> yeah. she said she loved him and she hugged him. And it's like, that's what Torres was, I think, going for, you know? Yeah. It's not all perfect, but you'll get these little rays of sunshine here and there, even in the midst of, like, a terrible storm, like what they just went through with their little family meeting. And that's what family is about, you know? Yeah. Like, nine times out of ten, it might be terrible, but you get that one time, like, totally makes it worth it. To the doc, you know, and yeah. that's what the doctor finds out. And that's a, just like what it's like, anyways, because like my baby will be a terror. And then the next day, he's like so cuddly and so sweet. And oh. Like, oh, so- oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> like, you see the break of like everything, and then he's just adorable and gives you a smile, and you're like, okay. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, I think that's what they were getting at with this episode. Yeah. So we're in the shuttlecraft and Tom Paris um, and the bridge are in contact. So he's going near a newly appeared anomaly and he's able to make progress getting a hold of some energy. But the anomaly starts to pull him in and the crew can't get him out. And again, you just like, Jamie, why'd you risk this? Why? Like, it's so ridiculous. Uh, the anomaly disappears, taking Tom Paris with it. And Tom Paris is dead. He's dead. Like, no, oh he's my not. god! I can't believe they killed Tom Paris. But it's so funny because when that happens, they shoot to Bellona Torres first, mm-hmm. and you're like, all right. Not and even then, Harry Kim. No, they don't shoot to Harry Kim at all. No. They go to the Bellona Torres, and then they go to Janeway. So it's like, oh, Harry Kim, you get replaced. That's how it is when you're in love. Your friends <laughs> just go by the wayside. <laughs> Tom Paris is like Harry. Who? <laughs> uh, what? Um, but of course, Janeway won't give up trying to make contact with Paris. Um, and they figure out they have to put him on a different frequency, but he they finally get a hold of him. Um, and then he tells them he doesn't know where he is, but we see this gorgeous view of a mysterious place that looks like um, being in a plane above the clouds. And for some reason, it reminded me of uh, Top Gun. Yeah, it's it definitely looked like the sky on a planet as opposed to anywhere in space. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really pretty. It was really pretty. Again, good special effects, like mm-hmm. gorgeous place. In sick bay, the doctor is doing work, but he seems to be preoccupied and Kef Kess of course notices and she offers to help. Um and he says he can't get some measurements right on a cell culture. And uh, so Kess agrees to do the job, but the doctor can't really let it go. And he reveals that it's really he's having problems at home. That's what's on his mind. And Kess says, well, he should go deal with it. You know, there's nothing going on in sickbay right now. So um, he should go. He should go home. And but the doctor says, no, no, it's actually better if I don't like he's actually avoiding going home and. Kess guilt him into going. 
uh, the doctor goes in and he walks right into the door to find Jeffrey and his Klingon friends hanging out. And the doctor wants to get to know them. And so he's sitting there. Well, first he says, the, doc- the son says, why are you here? And the doctor's like, well, I live here. <laughs> Don't talk to your kid. Don't talk to your your dad that way. Maddening. Mm. Um, and so then Doctor's trying to get to know the friends of Jeffrey. And then he notices that one of them is holding a knife. <laughs> and the Klingons try to explain that every kid gets a knife for his right of ascension. But the Doctor knows that's not the kind of knife. Um, it's This is a, a dagger used for ritual violence. A first bloodletting prior to becoming a warrior. Now... I don't, there's no Klingon ritual that this actually happens. And normally when um, people, when uh, the ritual sword is the batleth, but this isn't the batleth. It's just a different, it's a different sword. And nowhere in, I think, that I can tell in from TNG and DS9, does this have have anything to do, like you would have thought you would have seen it with Alexander because there was that one when he did fight. Oh, that's right. Um, using the batleth, but it was different than right. And that this isn't th- that's not this. So I think they just create like the people on 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 written this episode. Like the writers, the writers just created this for because it was convenient for the, for the story plot. for the plot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because what it is is it's a dagger used for ritual violence, a first bloodletting prior to becoming a warrior. And that sounds more like it a, sounds like an more initiation, a gang, a gang like initiation. A, yeah. Either they have to go do violence against someone else, or they have to get jumped into the gang, yeah. or something like that. And that's where what I was talking about earlier, where it was like it becomes more apparent what what we were supposed to associate with these Klingons. Yeah, and it's is, like racist, and it's kinda, also speciesist. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like they're corrupting this this kid, and he is, you know, he's like a human, white, Caucasian kid being, quote-unquote, corrupted by these others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, I didn't and like then, it. And then, yeah, like you say, and then in a way that isn't even necessarily consistent with the, with the Klingon culture that we know. Because it is just so weird, because why did they bring in that, whether or not... I mean, if the writers want to add something to the to the lore or the canon of Klingon culture, then fine, whatever. But why is it so ambiguous in this scene right. of what they're doing? Because it because it made it seem like because they try to say it's the right of ascension, and the doctor's like, no, it's not. So then, why are they lying about it? Unless it's not anything to do with Klingon a, a Klingon uh, um, ceremony in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, and they're really just being violent. <laughs> right. Yeah. For violence sake. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or it's like it's like they're not and he's not going to become a Klingon cuz these dopey little kids are going to, you know what I mean? Like that's not how it works. I don't think that like they can just turn this kid into a Klingon, you know? Right. Like and be have him be accepted by Klingons. I don't know. I mean, it's all, and then it, and then, and then you go. Well, you know what? Plus, this is all fake. Like it's, yeah, it's all, all in a hologram, yeah, in, all... a holodeck, anyway. So it doesn't really, yeah. yeah. But it's just like it's just weird. It just I didn't like the connotations that was giving yeah. me, and I didn't like how they were treating Klingons either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I still say that like 
if if you want to have a negative a race that's like a negative influence there's worse ones like you could do um oh what were the ones that stabbed picard through the heart uh i can't remember what they were called everyone listening knows (laughs) they're all yelling at their (laughs) device of their choice right now but (laughs) but i can't think of uh oh i don't even don't even get me started anyway like they would be some surly folks who you wouldn't want coming into your place of business either but yeah but there's no reason to <laughs> to 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 throw Klingons under the bus so bad in this episode yeah for yeah. no reason it's no reason so the doctor says whose knife is it who's going to use it no one answers the doctor finally kicks the Klingons out of his house but then Jeffrey's pissed and the doctor knows that he was going to use the knife. And uh, Jeffrey plans, but says that he follows the Klingon ways and he follows the Klingon customs, which again muddies the water because, like, there isn't anything wrong with the Klingons or their customs. You know what I mean? Right. And, like, treating it like it's just a cultural thing is different than a gang type hoodlum type initiation. You know? Yeah, because this makes it seem like the Klingons would be outlaws everywhere they go. Which sort of, like, you would think... I mean, that's not what I'm saying when I say, like, people... Like, Klingon... You know, like, things are going to get crazy when a Klingon walks in, but they're not outlaws. Right. It's like they're rowdy. Yeah. (laughs) And stuff like that. But, yeah, this makes it seem like Klingon rituals are actually illegal wherever the doctor lives in his fake world, you know? Yeah. Or they would be illegal. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeffrey plans to become a Klingon and follow Klingon customs. And the doctor's like, not in my house. And then he's like, well, I'm not going to be in your house. And then he like leaves. And you're like, ugh. The doctor is distressed and he gets worse because he gets a call from his wife. Um, and Belle has been involved in an accident. At the hospital in this holodeck program... We find out that Belle suffered cranial trauma by hitting her head on the corner of the Parisi Square's court. So it's almost like maybe Parisi Square's itself isn't very violent, but you just got to get rid of those sharp corners. <laughs> but no, but people at TNG got were always getting hurt. No, no, they definitely were. Yeah, but I thought it was, you think it was like, oh, yeah, someone like knocked her block off, but like, oh, no, she just fell and hit the hard corner. <laughs> Uh, the doctor and then someone named Dr. Finley operated on her, but the hemorrhaging won't subside. And the doctor has to break it to his wife that uh, nothing medical can be done now for the daughter. And the wife won't accept it, and she leaves to go talk to Dr. Finley. She almost, it's almost like she thinks that the doctor is giving up too easily on yeah. her daughter, which, I mean, that's understandable. Uh, and then the doctor is there. Um, well, they don't let you operate on your own children. No, no. In the doctor's program, <laughs> they do. Or in this highly randomized <laughs> situation, you can, I guess. Um, but the doctor, he's standing there alone over over Bell's um, hospital bed. And he's anguished. Um, and she wakes up. And then she's like, Daddy, everything's all blurry, but I don't feel any pain. And uh, she asks when she'll be able to see again. 
And the doctor, he just, he's like hesitates and then he just ends the program, which is like, good call. That's what I would have done. That's, that's, what, what, we, that's what we did for The Last of Us because it got too bleak. <laughs> but even though, so like, yeah, it got bleak, but um, th- what this did kind of remind me of is that, uh, um, I don't even know what you'd call it because I haven't played it in so long, but that wrestling simulation game that oh, I used to play yeah. where... You're like you own a wrestling, a professional wrestling company, uh-huh. and you have to hire people and fire people. And you can get fired, and from you your can job. get fired from your job, and all kinds of. Again, that there's like the randomized elements. These these events can just pop up. You know, very some some of them are super rare. Um, some of them happen a lot. Like guys get uh, have drug overdoses and things like that, or they get injured in the ring. So. It's like you. I mean, think of like Sim City for anyone who's old enough to kind of remember playing that, where you know you'd introduce like tornadoes that would come through into your city. You didn't know when they were going to happen, so you built up this thing. It's not like a normal, like we think of a video game or whatever, where your progress pretty much stays stays where it is right like if you make progress you don't really lose it Mm -hmm. maybe you gather weapons and tools and then you use them and lose them in that way but no one just comes and steals your pack of weapons (laughs) that you took six months to accumulate right yeah but that's what would happen in like sim city and you might be going fantastic for like you know two weeks of real-time gameplay and then, yeah, a tornado, like, takes out half Everything, your city. Yeah. But that's almost the point of the game. And that's why, like, you always laughed at me because I played this game where I could get fired. And I did get fired a lot because I wasn't very good at the game. But <laughs> I could get, I have so much fun playing the game and you're planning out matchups with the wrestlers and storylines that you're going to do. But why? Because the next day, like, you know, the Hulk Hogan... Um, you know has dies of a drug overdose or something you know like and then everything that you planned is like right out the window but that's the point and so that's kind of like gets at this like the doctor like just leaves you know it'd be like if i left the first time one of my wrestlers um didn't show up one day and it screwed up my whole wrestling show or the first time that a tornado came and destroyed your town in Sim City, you just turn the game off and never play it again. You know, like yeah. no, you play it because a tornado is going to come. And it's just like that little girl said, "I played Precy Squares because it's dangerous." Yeah, like I like that part of it. So it's that. I mean, it's pretty pretty good writing when it comes to that stuff and the doctor's reaction to these randomized events. Yeah. So uh, we're in Sick Bay. And the doctor lies to Cass and says that his family is fine, and that but the program is done, so she mm-hmm. can't come and visit. And it was a great experience. And you could tell he's really putting up a front, though. Yeah. He's like still really bothered by what he saw in there. And he's like, "If uh, he's like, I'll bite you if I ever create a new family." And then like she leaves, and it's like his whole demeanor crumbles. Mm-hmm. On the bridge, Paris is able to communicate more easily now with with the rest of the ship. And he figures out that he's stuck between space and subspace. That's where that cool um, visual is that we saw. And we see a little bit more of it where he's flying around this, this I can't call it a landscape, but this um, 
the setting. Yeah. Um, and all these anomalies keep popping up all over the place. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit, too, of the Badlands from the very first episode, oh, where yeah. so many of these energy bursts are coming. Um, here, he says a lot of these anomalies are being born. And his idea to get back to wherever Voyager is, is to venture into the eye of one of these newly formed anomalies. And so he finds one and he zooms toward it. But then, like, there's, like, a ton of turbulence, and he realizes this one is a whopper, he says. It's, like, 1950s thing. Yeah, well, he, 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 he does like the 1900s or whatever. He's their, <laughs> he their 20th century expert. <laughs> and uh, he warns Voyager to get away from it. But, of course, Janeway refuses. They need to stay within a close enough range because they're going to try to beam him out. Um, they're trying to beam the whole shuttle out, right? Yes. Yeah, because they don't want to lose another shuttle. No, no. So... In all the turbulence, Paris gets thrown out of his seat and all the way to the back of his shuttle. And then on the bridge, everything is exploding all around everybody. Um, Paris's shuttle is beginning to fall apart. But Kim is able to get a lock on it and beam it onto Voyager. And then they get Paris to sickbay. Because he's hurt. So we're in sickbay and the doctor tells Paris... um, his hard head saved him from danger once again. <laughs> and again, the doctor is taking out his frustration with Han Paris. Mm-hmm. And the t- doctor catches himself before he can get too angry. And then he lets Paris know exactly what's happening to Belle. Um, but he's not going. And then he lets the Paris know he's not going back into the program because it's just too difficult. And Paris is like, well, in real life, we can't do that. <laughs> So he's like, but it's not really lucky for you because through the hard times is where you find connection Mm -hmm. and where you're going to find connection with other people. Because really, in reality, he's in a ship with um, all people who've lost something, you know, Mm -hmm. like the thing that they've lost is their family. And... um, so, and that's where then they're able to build a new family and they're able to build their own community based upon their losses. It's almost like, and then like the doctor wouldn't gain anything from, like he wouldn't be able to um, relate to all the people, people. on Voyager. Yeah. yeah. And so, and also, you know, you need to like be a person who meets the difficult times be there for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, what, if you miss it, then you miss the whole point of having a family in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's so funny that it's coming from someone who has such a terrible relationship with their parents, you know? Yeah. But again, Tom Perry's I know, it's really like, busting it out. Yeah, but then they, like you, you look at him and you're like, oh, does he actually not regret his upbringing and how hard his father was on him and stuff? It's yeah. like, again, it's like he's showing a lot of his maturity like a lot of a, 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 a big mature side to him. Yeah. That's yeah. Really cool. And so we go, oh, no, I'm not doing this one. You do it. <laughs> I want to say that Sam, with the second time he was taking the dose, he's like, I'm done. He's like, I'm not going to take it. It's over. I'm not going to watch this poor little girl die. It's the same reaction we had to watch in The Last of Us. Yeah, we, we, I, we won't say too much about The Last of Us, and it's definitely like dating when we're even uh, recording this podcast but we got there like the first five or so episodes of that show and then that was it because to me it was what i what i said was it was emotionally manipulative and that's how i feel about this too but maybe it's also just like so sad i don't want to 
to deal with it, but I don't. Yeah. So we watch the doctors who materializes in Bell's hospital room where he actually has to tell her that she's going to die. And then the rest of his family comes um, but to him and their bedside and they're all there and we watch her die. And, you know, and it ends like that. I and mean, it's like, I mean, I guess what he had to learn, Paris told him. But it ends in such mm. a sad way. Mmm, <laughs> indeed. Mmm. You're like, mmm, indeed. I don't know why you had to kill the little girl, but okay. <laughs> if not, I guess the program would just go on forever. <laughs> well, to me, it's like... It, uh, like, I don't know how I feel about it. And I don't mind that they killed the little girl, even. like, But I feel like... It just... It felt like we all knew that it, that's where it was going, and I guess I sort of wish they'd have done it in a less straightforward way. It's like, oh, you're just going to show us um, the doctor telling his daughter that she's going to die? And, like, I guess I would just wish they would have left it to the imagination because there's no, there was no right way to do it, you know? Yeah. It's, like, such an unimaginable thing yeah, but everyone could imagine how it would go down, and then they just show it, and it was almost like Ugh. it was so callous. Yeah. There's no, there's no way the doctor could have come out of that scene looking okay. He yeah. seemed pretty callous. Uh-huh. I don't know what you do. Maybe it's because too, like my mentality is that like I wouldn't tell the daughter that. You wouldn't? No, and I know that like you and I would have like a difference of opinion on that, but no, I don't think I would. I don't think that she would be in any like position to process it in That's any true. way that would be fair to her. I think it was just like the most like jacked up thing. Maybe that's why like it's, it's like it almost angers me that it, the way that that went down. Yeah. I don't think I don't know. I don't know, but like but I wish that they would just have shown the doctor like, like with maybe the like family, with she, the yeah, family. she he sees her the daughter in like she like she's in the distance on the bed. Yeah. Um the mom and the son come up. Kind of, yeah, or he just he just kind of looks. Him. He like tugs on his uniform and he walks, and you know what he's gonna do. He's not Picard. Why is he gonna tug on his uniform? That's what that's what <laughs> strong bald men do when they're about to go make a tough decision. <laughs> so I I mean it's something like, I don't know. I mean I'm not here to try to rewrite the episode, but it's just to to sit there and watch. It's like God like. You guys couldn't have written in some other scene? Like, we have to watch this happen? Like, this is terrible. And for what? You know? Like, we get it. The doctor had to go make a tough choice. Like, what do we get out of seeing it other than just, again, like, emotionally manipulated is what I felt like. I don't want to see that. I don't want to watch shows so that I can watch kids die. That's all there is to it. Like, I guess it's just as simple as that. I don't watch TV so that I can watch kids die. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No. Yeah, well, that's ah, oh, that's us in the Last of Us too. <laughs> that, mm, that, pretty that much, the, that, was that was the, the last, last straw. straw. Yeah, I guess that's a thing. little tiny bit of a spoiler. At some point, a kid dies. Two. Yeah. You now you're really spoiling it. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> okay. What did you think about this episode, Sam? I didn't like it. <laughs> I think I just said why I don't like it. Um. Oh. Um. Yeah, no, I don't need to see this episode ever again. And rewatchability mm-hmm. is a big thing for me, and I and I wouldn't watch it. I like what I like what it was trying to say, or what it even was saying in a lot of ways, as far as 
the doctor and you know if you're going to to do an experiment where you're you know going to have a family then you have to do it you know it has to be a real family and like not a made-up family and um but then like but the actual extra execution of that idea i thought wasn't um great because of all those things we were talking about like why are the why am I getting a weird racist vibe from the portrayal of the Klingons? And then why am I watching this kid die? <laughs> yeah. You know? And why are they so misbehaved? Or, like, they don't... Like, why are they so outside of, like... Yeah. What, or what, like, so bad. Yeah, like, it's so outside of how the doctor's family would actually look, you know? Yeah. So, the execution wasn't there. Um, and then the, the B-plot... With the Paris thing, I I kind of didn't even understand it a lot, which is that maybe more my fault than the episode's fault. But it's just like, you know, I couldn't really pinpoint like where he was and what was going on with that. He was between subspace and space. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can. <laughs> I guess that is like all he was. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. That felt a little like undercooked. I guess. That yeah. the B plot, yeah, it wasn't like a total, yeah, and it was so that was the bad stuff. I did like, I mean, they did a really good job. The writing was on point when it came to weaving the A plot and the B plot in together, yeah, and bringing in those elements of like the the danger is the fun of life, the risk is the point of life, yeah. Um, maybe that even answers your question about why is Janeway doing this because it's like the risk is the point. Right. And so that's the overall theme of the episode, and that's Risk, fine. Yeah. But, um, but it's yeah. And so the B plot is like pretty boring, or even sort of overly convoluted, or maybe not convoluted enough. Mm. And the A plot is just depressing as all get out. And these do not make a good episode. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to give it because I don't ever want to watch it again. Um. But it's not, you know, it's it's not a poorly, like, absolutely, like, poorly made episode. Um, but I still have to give it a C minus. How do we spend an hour and a half talking about this shitty episode? What did you think? Um, well, I loved the scene with Bellana Torres. Yeah. I love Bellana Torres' braid. We'll oh, yeah. There. I loved her velvet outfit. It was so 90s, and I, I think I even had a dress exactly like that. Oh, when she was at dinner? Yes, yeah. when she was at the dinner. It was very, it was very, very cool. Um, I loved her braid. I loved her dress. And then I loved her flirting with Tom Paris um, and with her Klingon romance novel, which is like, it's just a funny thing that you wouldn't expect from Bellana Torres. Um and I love Tom Paris being, of course, out of replicated rations and seeing that play out in the mess hall, which was hilarious. Um, it really was. And that was all I loved about that episode. And that all, and that all happened in oh, and I also three liked, minutes. I also like that, like, Blonde Torres was affronted. Like, she, it was an affront to her, like, the doctor's first program. Yeah. It was a front to her as a person. Yeah. And all people everywhere. Yeah. It was so funny. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I did not like that, like, yeah, like you said, like the I just the Klingons were off. Like it was it was like it wasn't a real version of a Klingon because we've seen real Klingons and this is on the holodeck, you know. 
it's a holodeck program, so it's a character of Klingons, but it's not. A, a, it's not a. It's not a good. I think depiction of Klingons. No. Um, and I thought it was weird that the boy wanted to be a Klingon, and we even saw. Um, people choose to be Klingons in that one planet episode in DS9. Where they chose to be Klingons? Yeah, so remember the the um the ship lands on a planet and then it's like back in time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But that was done way more. That was done way better. Yeah. Where people uh, taking on the culture of a Klingon that wasn't necessarily Klingons. But this, they allowed Picard to be a Klingon, like be a, like an honorary Klingon. And he didn't have to do anything. But like the way this 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 uh, son was like trying to put on like the... Yeah, the... the, the um, yeah, just depict himself as a Klingon and it yeah, was like all and, the worst traits of a Klingon where and, you're just like yeah you're just overly aggressive and and the song that did come to mind was Pretty Fly for a White Guy by The Offspring yeah. which kind of talked about like a similar thing that was happening in the 90s with, yeah. um, and I don't know if I I don't even know if that song holds up or if like any of that <laughs> whole the whole thing, like the whole weirdness of it, kind of even holds up, and I don't know because it but... it itself could end up being offensive now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was probably offensive then too. Like it's like I don't know, like you know, I don't know, but that's true. Like um, to me, in my at my age, it probably wasn't because I wasn't super aware of stuff like that. But yeah, but it objectively was. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but that's kind of like the vibe I got from it, and again. It's like I don't know why Klingons have to be like a stand-in for some kind of racial. Prejudice. It's almost like because it's like the, the doctor lived in whatever would have been the suburbs, and it's yes. like Klingons in the suburbs, and it's like oh, there goes the neighborhood kind of a thing yeah. is what it really felt like, like yeah. and that's where it felt like uh, you know where the Klingons were the other, and they were like intruding <laughs> on something that they where they shouldn't have been, mm, yeah, and. and at least in the United States, that really only has one um, connotation, and it's, like, racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I thought that was weird, and then it was weird that a Klingon put that into the program, and, like, her, like, a view of Klingons that yeah. wasn't appealing, like, because I feel like the Klingons are very appealing in TNG, and, like, even Blanche Horse is appealing, and in that faces. The the person mm-hmm. that we liked the most was the Klingon version of mm-hmm. her, as opposed to her human side. Like, yeah, Klingons, you know, are appealing, and like they, these were so unappealing, you know, and they were dangerous, and they were like the bad element, and it just kind mm-hmm. of put a bad taste in my mouth. Also, again, like watching bad parenting gives me hives, <laughs> um, or the outcome of what would be considered lax parenting yeah. or bad parenting. Gives me hives. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, oh, no, I shouldn't be judgmental. You know, especially now that I have a baby. Like, I'm going to have to be going through that as well. You know. Yeah. Check in in 15 years and see how. Screaming children everywhere. Yeah. So, it's one of those things you're like, uh. So, well, I would give it a C. It wasn't, like, terrible. I mean, it wasn't, like, super terrible. It had its, it had, yeah, it had charms. I liked, I liked the B plot line, I think. Um, and I did like how it was Tom Paris. Um, 
going being considered the risk person, the risky person yeah. that the doctor projected onto. I like I like the Tom Perry scenes with with the doctor as well. I think that's the th- here's what the uh, just real quick like yeah, I give the writers a lot of credit for like understanding characters and the way the characters interact relate to with each other. other yeah. Or re- yeah, relate to each other. They did a really good job. I mean, I think like the right. Well, the Jerry Taylor is one of the people credited, and then I never heard of this Harry Doc Clore. But I will say, I mean, it's good. They're good. I mean, obviously the Jerry Taylor, but like, it, it that's all good stuff. It's just what they chose to write, and then the way they chose to execute it was not good. Yeah, yeah. So I would say seventy three percent a C. No. A seventy five percent C. Oh, it jumped 70, up two percent. Seventy three percent would have been a C minus. Oh, a C minus. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it got two percent added. Yeah, to make it a C. It was it a solid that, C. The two percent was Bellana's hair braid. Yeah, because I mean the theme they they, they they like they did do they did weave the theme in there very very well. This is not a theme I want to watch. Yeah. I don't want to watch a kid die. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what you think. Email us at displacedinspacepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at displacedinspacepodcast. All of this and more can be found on our website, displacedinspace.com. And if you'd like to make this podcast better and stronger, the site also has links to Venmo and PayPal. Finally, if people are enjoying the podcast, what should they do, Angelina? Subscribe. What else? Leave a review wherever they're listening. And what else? Tell a friend. Okay, then. Until next time, podcast out.